I'm with Ruth Hardy today. Ruth, thank you very much for coming along to do my story. Ruth, just tell the listeners where you grew up. Uh, yes, I grew up in Leicestershire, in a small village just north of Leicester, actually, Burstall. Burstall. In fact, that's almost the centre of England. I should think holidaying as a child meant you could go in any direction from your town. Yes, we used to go down to Wales. To uh, My father's family came from around Swansea area. So we used to go to the Gower every year with my brothers and sister. Yes, I've got two brothers and a sister, all older than me. I'm the youngest, and they believe I've been very spoilt. <laughs> yeah, that, that's happened to me, actually. I'm the youngest of uh, four. They think I'm spoiled. Growing up in that area, did you stay there long? Well, I stayed there until I left to go to college to teachers' training. While I was there, I played hockey for the school and for the county and for the Midlands, actually. Sport figures quite highly in your um, activities. Yes, I was very keen when I was at school and then went on to PE college. So hockey, what position did you play? Not that I understand hockey. Oh, left wing. Well, so you got medals, cups. So you're a pretty athletic sort of person. Yes, yes, I was. I did athletics as well, did that for the counties. Would you say that runs in the family or you, that was just you? I know one of my brothers, he, he was a great rugby player. Wow. So, Leicestershire, and then you moved on when you went to college, you say? Yes, I went to Bedford PE College and stayed there for three years. So, did you have an ambition to teach physical education? Um, not really. I, th I think the school wanted me to go to the PE College because it was, at the time, it was one of the best. So, I think it was sort of more for their benefit that they wanted me to go there. In those days, do you think it might, you might have been pushed in a direction rather than, this is actually what I want to do. I thought I was going to be an astronaut, but no, I've been told to be a, a PE teacher. Yes, I think so, yes. So you're at college there. So what would have been the next step? Do you have to get certain grades? What happened at that point? Yes, uh, you have to get uh, your certificate of education. Now you have to get a degree, but we didn't have to then. And because I trained in Bedfordshire, they just gave me a job. Right, so the local authority really just snapped you up. Um, wasn't it so easy in those days to get a job? Yes, just walk straight into it. Oh dear, don't tell the youngsters that these days, they won't believe you. So where did you teach then? I taught in Dunstable at a middle school because Bedfordshire was lower, middle and upper. But I got married as soon as I finished at college. I never went back to Leicestershire. When you're teaching in middle school, is that a single sex school? Or but being physical education, was it just girls that you taught? Um, no, it was, a, it was a state school, mixed. But I was the girls PE teacher. So how long was you there? Oh, only about 18 months, because then I had my first child. So by that time you're married and you've got children. How many children did you end up with? <laughs> I've got three children. So after that, after 18 months of being there, where, where did you move to? I still lived in Bedfordshire, but we had our children and I was at home with them until our youngest was nine. Then I went back into teaching. Would that have been the same school or did you move on to somewhere else? No, I moved on to uh, primary. I was asked to write a curriculum for a, for a new pre-prep school that was being started by a friend. I started there, but then I wanted to go into the classrooms. You're in a new school. Did you find it could walk in and you felt comfortable um, in that position? Yes. After a while, I went into the classroom and became a classroom teacher for the young ones, which I loved more than teaching PE. Yeah, well, that was good. Well, you didn't have to be out in the cold and wet and what have you, because... Slightly up north, it probably the weather wasn't so good. <laughs> I'm only joking. <laughs> right, you um, perhaps tell the listeners how long you were there for and, and what, what happened after that. 
Well, we went on holiday in the Peak District when our children were little and we said that we'd like to go up to the Peak District when our youngest left home and, and run a guest house. So when our youngest went to university, more or less the week after, we went up to the Peak District to look for somewhere to move to. Whereabouts did you settle then when you found, and obviously found a place? Yes, we settled in Buxton. We were there for about 15 years running a guest house. We did two. We started off with big one with a flat, a self-contained flat as well. And then after eight years, we converted that to apartments. And during that year between converting them and then buying another one, George project managed cafe for the church and I did training as a Christian listener. So quite an entrepreneur here, running uh, two guest houses, all that goes along with that. That sounds like hard work. Was it hard work? Uh, yes, it, it was hard work, but it was a lifestyle that we absolutely loved. You meet such interesting people. Every day is different. Buxton's a really lovely um, mm. town. It's classified as a town. It's not a city. No, it's a town, isn't it? Yeah. There's a lot of history there as well. So uh, you, I'm sure you enjoyed there. Yes, we loved it there. Um, you, we could walk out from our home into the hills and it was yeah. beautiful. Beautiful. And of course, in Buxton, we had the Opera House and the park and it was beautiful. Up until this point, really busy time teaching, raising a family, now running a business. Where did your Christian faith come into all of this? When did you become a Christian? Well, I'd been brought up within the church because my grandfather was a vicar and we had vicars in the family. Um, so I grew up in the Anglican church, but nobody had ever said I could have a personal relationship with Jesus until I had my first child and we wanted to have him christened. And the vicar came and asked us why, if we didn't go to church, why did we want him christened? And they'd had a mini revival at the village church. So um, we became Christians then. Right, so it sounds like the vicar put you on the spot there, asking quite a basic question. <laughs> so that church, was that a church you, you stayed at? Oh, we stayed there until we moved into Amptill and then in up in the Peak District. I've always been involved in churches. Did you get heavily involved leading things? Yes, we've always run house groups and children's work. There's nothing you haven't done. You're amazing. Oh, dear. It sounds as though that you like talking to people and with obviously with the guest houses that you could interact, be with everybody from all walks of life. Was that an area that you've used perhaps your Christian faith in? Yes, just chatting to people, friendship evangelism. And I did a, a trained as a Christian lister and then I was able to train other people. That was a big thing for me, um, being able to teach others. But since coming down to Midsummer Norton 10 years ago, trained quite a few people. First few years we were here, we, I did quite a bit of training. It sounds like you had an idyllic lifestyle up in Buxton. What actually brought you to the West Country, Midsummer Norton area? Well, it was getting quite hard work and somebody wanted to buy the property. We decided that perhaps this was the right time to leave. And our daughter is down in the West Country. Although our sons are a long way away, our daughter was here. So we, yeah, we felt it was the move God wanted us to do. It would be fair to say you're retired now. Not, not that you look as though you're old enough to retire. You're both retired. We are retired, yes. yes. So that was one of the motivating reasons for perhaps selling the business. 
Yes, yes, I think there comes a time when you need to move on. And you say your daughter lives down this in this direction, but what, what actually brought you to Midsummer Norton as opposed to perhaps some other towns nearby? It was very interesting because some friends of ours in Buxton used to come down to Welton Church to do teaching. They'd mentioned Welton Church. So anyway, we came down and in actual fact, Dave and Anona had actually been to one of our house parties that we used to run Christian house parties up in the guest house. Um, so when we looked around for houses, we found the one we wanted and then discovered that it was owned by people that were at Welton Church as well. So we had three links to Welton before we'd even arrived. <laughs> so it was amazing. So the first Sunday we were here, uh, we went to Welton Church and were welcomed wonderfully. And I know moving is a stressful time. Was it difficult moving? Selling the business is probably difficult in itself. Did you have to do it in one go or did you rent somewhere? Uh, no, we did it in one go, but it was difficult because we had to get rid of a lot of stuff. Obviously, having run a guest house, you've got a lot of stuff. So, yes, it was quite difficult, but it was OK. I assume you'd say that this is the right place for you. Yes, I would say so. We found a place in the church and in the town and we've got very good friends. Yeah, we love it here. It sounds as though from your background, you've really got into leadership and other roles within the church very quickly. I understand that George is a musician as well, plays various instruments. I see him on the, in the music group and yourself. Yes, I suppose we've always felt that we should serve God wherever we are whichever church we've been in we've always served well we're house group leaders i'm involved with the visiting team and what i particularly love doing is organizing day retreats and weekend retreats for the ladies um, having in buxton uh, regularly each month we used to run a weekend so it's been lovely being able to do something similar down here and, and obviously your sort of skill sets you know you probably find that quite easy to do Yes, I suppose so. I think having been a teacher, you, you're quite organised yeah, and bossy. Yeah. Uh, Ruth, just tell the listeners something about this visiting group. Well, we try to um, keep up with people that perhaps can't make it to church um, or are ill or in nursing homes. Um, and we try to just make sure that they know that we're there for them. Are they widespread? Do you have to do a lot of travelling for this? No, it, well, it's it's people within the church or who are linked or have been to the church. No doubt you find it rewarding and a blessing. Yes, definitely, especially when we visit people that are lonely or bereaved. It's wonderful just to think that we can just bless them, really, with a visit. You're obviously a very sporty person in the past. Uh, are you doing anything now that you would class as sporty? Yes, well, sort of, trying to play golf. That would be with the ladies. You're not competing against the men, are you? Uh, no, we do play with couples, but um, no, I play with a female partner. I'm getting the impression you're, you're a bit on the fence with golf. It doesn't sound as though it's, it hasn't take, gripped you like perhaps um, other sports might have done. No, I think I'm a fair weather player. That's the problem. That always amazed me. Golfers that can play in the rain, I'm thinking, well, what are they up to? Why are they playing in the rain? This is bonkers. You obviously don't do that. <laughs> no, we don't. We go in and have a, have a coffee and a cake. Now, there's other interests I know you have. Perhaps explain to listeners some of the other things. I know uh, you belong to a book club, for instance. Yes, I've always loved reading and it's good to be part of a book club because I read books that I perhaps wouldn't normally choose. 
fiction, non-fiction, um, and then being able to discuss them. It's been a, it's been good. I'm sure that when you were running guest houses, that you perhaps, I don't know, bumped into people that knew other people. I know when Hazel and I were on holiday in New Zealand, um, we bumped into a former headmistress of Norton um, School, and it's amazing. You can be thousands of miles away and then bump into somebody. I'm sure did that used to happen um, with uh, your guest house? Yes, and I was the sort of person that if somebody had come from Australia and I'd tell them that I had four cousins in Australia, did they know them? Yeah. One time there was a, a a guy there who had the same surname as somebody I was at school with and it transpired that he was the brother of the girl I was at school with and at college with and his parents had... He was a lecturer in Australia and he'd took sabbaticals every four or five years so they'd come over here and each time Elizabeth was first of all at school with me and then at college with me yes. so it was amazing. Do, do you miss that part of the countryside as well you know there's the walks and the scenery and not, not that we haven't got good scenery down here. Yes I miss the Peak District and I miss the lifestyle it was a good life. Yeah. Um, meeting, as I say, all the interesting people. And um, we had a titled lady came to stay. And when she was leaving, I noticed... I went into the bedroom to start stripping the beds and I noticed that the bed had been stripped. I thought, I think she's put her my sheets in her bag. Anyway, she put all the bedding in a plastic bag and was putting it in her car. So I can't believe I did this, but I raced after her. I said, I think you've got my sheets in your car. And she just handed me the keys of this gorgeous sports car and said, oh, go and go and get them. And sure enough, she'd put them in a plastic bag in her car. Was it embarrassing for you or her, I wonder? But that's amazing. I mean, I don't, wouldn't have, wouldn't have, I wouldn't have crossed anybody's mind to do that. I don't know, perhaps she was getting a bit too lally. But don't, we won't name her. Oh, dear, oh, dear. You're a very busy person, but obviously reading and sitting down and relaxing are helpful to all of us, in fact. So what other sort of sitting down activities do you do? Oh, yes, I love my cross-stitch. I've done quite a lot of that through the years. And also jigsaws. I love a good jigsaw. With jigsaws, you can get some really sort of thousand pieces, even more. What, what, what do you go to? Oh, yeah, definitely a thousand pieces. But I don't ever choose any now that have got a big area of the same. They're too boring. Yeah, I'm very lucky because I've got a room where I can have my jigsaw um, permanently up, so every time I feel like going and doing a bit of jigsaw, I can. Yeah. And my sewing's there, available, so, yeah. You've got yourself well organised. You just, I suppose that's being a former teacher helps um, the way you structure things. Yes, possibly, yeah. <laughs> and what are you right this minute then up to? Uh, yeah, we're busy planning a day retreat for the ladies in March and a weekend in September. That sounds really good. Well, not that I'm being a bloke, it not, wouldn't be good for me, but it sounds really good. Now, so it's two away days. Uh, what sort of numbers do you get? For the days, we get 30 to 40 ladies and the weekends, about around 20. The place we go to, the House of Bread in the Cotswolds, and sleeps 20 comfortably. And would you get a speaker in on those occasions? Yes, we get somebody to lead and, and someone to do the catering too.
is it something you have to really plug and advertise or everybody's asking you when's the next one? And we have a certain number of people keen um, and ready, but yes, obviously we hope to advertise so that new people coming in know about it and are interested. It's a lovely time for ladies to get to know each other better. Yeah. We had two people at the last weekend we did who'd literally only just come to the church recently, loved the weekend, and be able to, when we came back, of course, we're able to feel more part of the church. Yeah, right. I know you, you've got an ambition with this significant birthday, and I'm not going to mention it, but um, you've, got a, you, you've had a, a significant birthday and you've set yourself a task, well, not a task, but uh, something, an ambition. Just tell the listeners a little bit about that. Yes, it was my 70th birthday this year, so I decided I couldn't manage 70 things, but I could manage seven so I decided to do to go to seven European cities that I hadn't been to before. So I'm working through them now. So, well, um, let, let the listeners know which ones you've been to and which ones you hope to get to. I've been to Rome, Cork and Dublin, Salzburg. I'm going to Bruges in April. And then I want to do Amsterdam and Prague, but I've got to fit those in sometime. Um, now, do you do this with your husband or, or do you shoot off with some of your girlfriends? No, all of them have been with George except Salzburg Christmas markets. We decided I went with my daughter-in-law and granddaughter um, because we decided that my son and husband would not particularly want to go around Christmas markets. Well, <laughs> and we had a great time. Mind you, that sent them sort of beer festivals and what have you. They could have been attracted to that maybe. Yes, yes, but it was only glue vine. <laughs> it wasn't beer. <laughs> um, have you got a favourite city so far? Uh, yes, I think Salzburg was beautiful, so pretty. And, of course, it was snowing and Christmassy, and I love that. Sounds just perfect there. And it sounds as though you've probably got a regular season ticket with one of the well-known airlines. You're a really frequent flyer, aren't you? <laughs> Yes, and I don't really even like flying, so <laughs> they've all been short flights. And as it's your sort of birthday treat extended over many days, has someone actually arranged it all for you? Or have you still got to do all the hard work? Oh, yes, I still do it all. Oh, that's not fair. You should, some, you, somebody should have arranged each one for you, and they, all you needed to do was to say, I want to go there. Well, actually, my daughter-in-law did the Salzburg one, so... Yeah. Probably why that's your favourite as well. It was the easiest yes. one. Yes, probably, yeah. So just remind me again, how many are outstanding? What, where are you going to? I've got two outstanding. Uh, Bruges, I've got, got, we've booked. Um, but Amsterdam and Prague are still right. got to be thought yeah. about. Obviously, you'll be flying off there. You won't be driving or anything like that. Uh, we might go by train oh, to yeah. Amsterdam. Oh, we're going by coach to Bruges yeah. and possibly train to Amsterdam. And I'm not sure about Prague yet. No, no. Hopefully you'll get those all done and dusted during next year and perhaps another holiday, you know, to cap it all off, you know, maybe to Australia. I don't know. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. Back up to Buxton, perhaps. Really, my favourite holidays have always been in this country. Yeah. I absolutely love this country. Suffolk, Norfolk, Northumberland, we're going up there next year. And what's really good about the United Kingdom is that you don't have to go far and the scenery completely changes. It can either be as flat as a pancake or you can have some lovely mountains and scenery. Or it, it's so diverse in a really compact spot. So you're right. This is a great place. Yes, I absolutely love it. There's always something different to see. 
We've camped, we've caravaned, bed and breakfast, we've stayed in self-catering. We love this country. I know you've said, obviously, England and the UK is a really great place for holidaying. But in your younger days, was you more adventurous? Would you go elsewhere? Oh, I was very lucky because my father had a client in Norway. So we used to go over there uh, to start with uh, with my parents. But then um, I used to go over in the summers to stay with the daughter of the person that my father was a, had business with. And we used to go walking in the mountains and swimming in the fjords. And it was a wonderful way to spend a summer. And I had a few summers out there, which was lovely. And we walked over glaciers and... We youth hosteled um, in the mountains where you, they have to fly in provisions. There's no roads or anything. So it was a very interesting and exciting time. So whereabouts in Norway would that have been? That was around Bergen and north of Bergen. So glaciers, probably with this global warming, they probably all disappeared maybe, I don't know. Uh, have you been back to any of those places? Uh, yes, George and I went back for our ruby wedding. We did a cruise, but unfortunately... The boat got the norovirus, so so it was a bit of a disaster. We did go to Stavanger, which I knew well, and Bergen, but we only went up one fjord. And I'd always been saying since going to Norway when I was young, I'd always said to George I wanted to take him back to Norway because it was so beautiful. So we finally went for our ruby wedding, and it was pretty disastrous. <laughs> Would you consider going another time? Oh, I'd love to go back again. It's a beautiful, beautiful country. It does sound a nice place to, to visit. Probably jolly expensive. It's well worth it, I'm sure. Oh, yes, and the people are lovely. Yeah, it's just an amazing scenery. Well, Ruth, it's been really good chatting to you and your story. And there's probably lots of things that we've not actually touched on. Thank you for your time and thank you for this interview. Thank you very much for having me.